again with Borderlands Cooperative. Join us for critical conversations about things that matter. Every Friday at 10am on 3CR Community Radio, 855am on your dial. And on 3CR Digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. So together, let's think again about important matters affecting us, like economics, politics, education, health, climate, and what we can do about it all. Welcome to our 213th program of Think Again, a program of Borderlands Cooperative, an organisation working for social change for over 25 years. I'm Jennifer Burrell, your host today, uh, with Jacques having a week off. I think he's lazing probably on some beach somewhere, so good on him because he's been working very hard lately on all his social change initiatives. But I do have a great guest in the studio with me, Jay Coonan from the Anti-Poverty Centre, Welcome to the program, Jay. Thank you for having me. Real pleasure. Jay Coonan is going to tell us about a recent report produced by the Anti-Poverty Centre with GetUp called Punishment for Profit, a deep study into the government's mutual obligation scheme that targets unemployed people. So firstly, Jay, can you briefly tell us what the Anti-Poverty Centre is and uh, what your role is there. Yeah, so um, the Anti-Poverty Centre started in, oh, geez, now I think 2021, maybe Mm -hmm. about May, Um, and the concept behind it was uh, myself and uh, uh, fellow co-coordinator Kristen. Um, We were working with the Australian Unemployed Workers' Union, um, uh, well, I should say volunteering with the Australian Unemployed Workers' Union, uh, and we wanted to look more at kind of um, including people into like the policy process and show that people who are living in poverty have the, you know, power and capacity to be able to advocate for policy change and to, you know, kind of direct and guide the uh, uh, services which they're, you know, forced into through government programs. So that was kind of the concept behind it. Um, My role there, uh, so... With, again, with the, like the AEWU, I was doing a lot of like uh, research and policy, and so I'm kind of focusing more on that now. So, been doing you know research in social policy uh, mainly about three years now in total, and so I'm kind of just carrying on that through with uh, the Anti Poverty Centre. Mm, great, and you certainly uh, have really demonstrated that people are unemployed do have the capacity, they're, they're smart, yeah, they're motivated, and they do have the capacity to advocate on the issues affecting them. Yeah. So why did the Anti-Poverty Centre want to do research into mutual obligation in the first place? And I guess some people might know what might not know what mutual obligation is so yeah maybe sure you could touch on that too yeah sure uh so mutual obligations are basically the what you're tasked with when you're in receipt of you know uh, you know whether it's job seeker uh the job seeker payment mainly um and they're they're, they're tasked mainly they can you know, range from applying just simply for jobs. Uh, they can be, you know, training and education programs, uh, generally short term, under a year. Um, and some of those training programs could be either going to TAFE or they could be, you know, some kind of bullshit course where you're forced to, um, you know, 
learn how to use a computer or type mm. on a computer or put on deodorant or something absurd. Maybe a bullshit, um, bullshit training for a bullshit job. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly that. Um, and then it also reaches to the more, you know, grotesque side of things like work for the doll where people are forced to, you know, essentially work uh, for, you know, uh, hours a week at, you know, uh, you know salvos or, um, you know, in community gardens or something like that in order to qualify for their payment as well. So there, there's a bit of a range. Um, mm. So it, so, it sounds like a good thing when you describe it like that. Yes. And so I guess that the other part of the question is why did the Anti-Poverty mm. Centre want to do research into it? Yeah, so uh, it's kind of been carrying on from some of the work that we've been doing with the Australian Unemployed Workers Union um, and obviously been advocating and researching that for quite some time. So what at the moment, the government is running an inquiry into Workforce Australia, which is the, now the main uh, you know, employment services program. It used to be called Job Active, and now it's Workforce Australia. So there's an inquiry into that. So we have you know, collected all this evidence through surveys and workshops in order to pull it together into this report uh, that we've released and um, you know, use that to kind of... Uh, bring it back into the attention to campaign and advocate for serious change this time around and not have it just be another inquiry that releases another report that just gets shelved for however long and then, you know, a year later the same thing happens again. Mm, yeah. So what were some of your main findings? Um, for example, does the scheme actually help people get jobs <laughs> no, to start with? <laughs> definitely not. Um, yeah, so uh, what we found is that, you know, it isn't, it's it's not helping anyone at all. It's the same as the previous programs uh, before it. It's just essentially a tool for punishing people off of social security payments. Um, so generally younger people, um, you know, from data that, you know, we found from, you know, Social Security and the Department of Employment shows that younger people generally um, spend a shorter amount of time off it. Oh, sorry, on in, within the program because they can just find themselves jobs. But what we're finding is that, you know, people with disabilities, single parents, um, people, you know, l longer term unemployed or people who live in, you know, poor labour markets are spending you know, upwards of what's well, coming more and more common towards 10 years in the program and they're just mm -hmm. being cycled through and punished and it's not getting them any jobs. Um, and, you know, so that's obviously reflected in the report, but, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, it's it's not, I wouldn't say new findings, it's just mm -hmm. kind of, you know, contextualising and bringing back the, uh, the experiences that people are continuously having and there's this kind of circular conversation within government and, you know, social policy conversations as well mm -hmm. in the not-for-profit sector where it's just, you know, it's just a, a continuous cycle and harm is just re recycled and nothing is actually changing. Yeah. So what sort of harm is happening to people within mm. the program? Yeah. yeah, so one of the biggest, uh, most common is, you know, mental health issues as a result of being um, forced to do these mutual obligations, forced to go to uh, appointments where people are bullied or harassed over the phone via email or in these uh, these meetings, um, that, yeah, people's mental health is deteriorate, deteriorating to the point, particularly the longer you spend in it, uh, and also, you know, then that has repercussions for your physical health as well. So, you know, these these, you know, systems are just essentially abusing and breaking people down um, to the point where if they could have had employment uh, at some point, there's no hope that they're going to have employment the longer that they spend in these programs, really. Yeah, it's terrible. It, it has shades of robo-debt about it, really. Mm. Um, so 
I read um, in the report too that uh, uh, there are a lot of mistakes being made that people bear the brunt of. For example, being um, the uh, companies, the job providers mm. have the power to stop Centrelink payments yeah. if people aren't meeting their obligations, their specified obligations. So people, there are examples like someone being uh, cut off their payments because they didn't go to an appointment that yeah. hasn't happened yet, that <laughs> yeah. is in the future. Yeah, so exactly. They made the mis- so the person was cut off their Centrelink payments because they didn't fly into the future to keep an appointment. Can you talk a little bit about those sort of... Yeah, look, you know, this, that's one of the biggest ongoing things is like, you know, obviously no administrative system is ever going to be good. You know, whether it's this or something else, there's always going to be mistakes. But the people who are in receipt of the payment, they're the ones who always get blamed. The, mm. You know, the, the eye always turns on them. It's always focused on them. Mm. And they're the ones who, you know, result in being punished for something that might be a computer glitch. It might be a, a diary misentry. It could be a variety of different things. Or it could be that, you know, one story that we have is uh, someone was on their way to a provider appointment and their car broke down. Oh. Call them from the side of the road, car's broken down, I've run out of fuel, I don't have any money to pay for the fuel, and then they get the second the degree or whatever from this person over the phone and, you know, harassing them and bullying them, and it just makes them feel, you know, like shit. Um, so there's just many things, and it can result in a payment, to, uh, like a freeze, basically, for a short period of time, um, and then if you don't explain yourself, essentially, for why you missed it, uh, then you, you receive a demerit basically. And then obviously, if you accumulate demerits that can lead to, you know, your payment being reduced uh, by 50 to 100%, or you could potentially be kicked off of social security. Mm. Uh, And, you know, people who are homeless or, you know, have alcohol and drug issues, Mm. that's, you know, one of the highest, uh, you know, common reasons why people or sorry, the main cohorts of people who do have their payment essentially just cut off completely are people with those issues. So, yeah, you know, how does that how does that work? Yeah. And and I guess that's really compounded by a lot of people Mm. in recent years being forced off the disability support pension onto JobSeeker. So Mm. there are people uh, on on job seeker payments who actually aren't able because of their disability to get permanent work. Yeah. So they're the people who are um, being subjected to this sort of breaching that you're talking about and the bullying yeah. and harassment um, that you're talking about. And, you know, God help people who have a mental health issue yeah. um, going through this and um, haven't been able to get on the disability support pension. I think um, the other interesting thing I saw was... Um, people being um, required to do courses Mm. that are like Mickey Mouse courses. And obviously it's a a tick box exercise for the company getting payments, which we can talk about um, later. But um, there was one example of someone who has a computer science degree being having to do a course how to use a computer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's Yeah, I think one of the greatest exploitations of the system, because, you know, the employment services system is constructed to permit that agencies through a separate entity can you know, provide a training or education program where they can refer, you know, the employment service can refer their caseload to the training and education and then, the, you know, they receive a payment which obviously ultimately goes up to the, the parent company. Mm. I mean, you so know... you can set up some Mickey Mouse program you can. and just say, let's transfer yeah. everyone to this Mickey Mouse program we set up, which is not really benefiting the bucks. person, but yeah. it's good for our bottom line. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and... um 
uh, oh, so lost my train of thought, but like one of the most common things that I'll just kind of uh, point out is during the Disability Royal Commission, uh, uh, they looked into the Disability Employment Services Program and they, what they found was a, uh, a bigger provider who set up uh, this, you know, elaborate kind of funneling system where the the job a oh, sorry the the parent company set up a, a training program for you know baristas and hospitality called busy beans where they take people in they train them how to use a machine and coffee in order to get credentials to to kind of get a job and they were referring people from their caseload through that but what they were also doing is having a bringing in with labor hire to you know because they can't hire directly from the caseload to hire somebody through the labor hire to put them in charge of the training program as a supervisor so they could get payments that way and then they could refer people to the program to get these payments. And then some of the photos, when you look at it from the evidence provided to the Royal Commission, it's not a a, a proper coffee machine. It's, you know, something that you could buy from, you know, a home goods store where it's just, you know... T- you know, something that you'd use at home. It's not a professional no. coffee maker that you'd use in a... No. And so, you, so you'd basically set up like a $200 coffee machine or something yeah. like that in a room. Exactly. And you're referring people to it. And yeah. then you can get money from the government um, by um, saying that you've you've provided training in being a barista. Yeah, yeah? exactly. Is that it? <laughs> Pretty much. And then, yeah, they, they did... Pre, uh, move it to like something of, that resembled a real cafe, but it was below their offices and it kind of just fed into that. So, um, yeah, it, it just shows how that providers can actually game the system and then be rewarded for it because mm. what they when they found this out in the Royal Commission, uh, a few months down the track, this provider was awarded uh, government contracts for the Workforce oh, Australia. So no repercussions no for repercussions them, only repercussions for, for the people, people yeah. at the receiving end yeah, exactly. when there are stuff-ups. So uh, on that note, I think we'll go to some music. Uh, we have Us and Them by King, uh, Blue King Brown.
You're listening to Think Again, 3CR, 855 AM on your dial, 3CR digital and streaming live at 3cr.org.au. I'm Jennifer Burrell and today I have in the studio Jay Coonan from the Anti-Poverty Centre, who is one of the authors of a new report about the government's failing mutual obligation scheme that is targeted, targeted at unemployed people. The report is aptly called Punishment for Profit, (laughs) as unemployed people are punished while corporates make profits out of their misery, out of the misery that they're helping to generate. Um, And you don't have to disbelieve me on this, as I am going to ask Jay to talk more about it. So, Jay, can you tell us a bit about the mutual obligation system from the corporate Mm. angle? Who are they? Who are these guys? Yeah. Or women, <laughs> and how do they operate? And importantly, do they offer good value for the money they get from the public purse? <laughs> Definitely not. One hundred percent, they do not. Yeah. So, um, so they, uh, the Commonwealth Employment Service, which was a government-run program, was privatised in about ninety-seven. Um, and nineteen ninety-seven. Nineteen ninety-seven under mm-hmm. the Howard government, it was partially privatised to create competition under the Keating government um, from a report based in 94. But what it's resulted in is full privatisation um, of for-profit and not-for-profit uh, companies mm-hmm. who, you know, run these programs. Um, and just the most egregious uh, of them all is uh, a company called APM um, and... Which stands for? Advanced Personnel Management. Mm -hmm. It started as an occupational therapist thing back in the 90s, and it's slowly just started soaking up government contracts. You know, the main breadwinner is employment services, um, but also, you know, they've branched out into NDIS uh, contracts as well. So they're soaking up a lot of that. So, um, and then also they operate internationally as well. So they've got contracts in, you know, England and Europe and, you know, across the globe. And it's it's worth over a billion dollars. It's on the stock market. um, And their main, you know, money comes from employment services. So obviously you can't have a voluntary system and make a profit at the same time because you need to be able to generate. So, you know, providers, particularly for-profit ones, depend on uh, this outcome fee structure where they can force people into, you know, shoddy jobs or they can force them to design or they can design these elaborate structures in order to, you know, generate payments from other aspects as well. Mm, so, like, like like referring them to programs in their own organisation. Exactly, exactly. Um, and also, you know, you have groups like um, you know Vinnies who uh, operate work for the doll. They do, they don't have employment services, but they they do get some form of money, not a lot, but money for hosting people on in their op shops for work for the doll. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's it's a it's not just you know obviously the for profit providers are you know pretty egregious and they're profiting off of people's misery, but also you have you know not for profits um, who have their own job agencies like Salvos, but then they also require you know a forced labour essentially through work for the doll to you know operate basically yeah and um, when you say forced i guess the point also mm. is that they're forcing them to do things that aren't really helpful for them to get yeah. a uh, proper job longer term job yeah and people were told not to put their work for the dole experience on their resume because you know uh pr- you know people like oh well, employers will you know have a you know discriminate against pe- oh. basically people who are on centrelink or and things like that you know because they don't 
people who are, you know, in social security aren't people, basically. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one of the major barriers to employment is discrimination, whether that's, you know, based on, you know, sexuality, gender, race, age, variety of things. That's the biggest thing. And, you know, a lot of that overlaps with poverty. And if mm-hmm. you're poor or have been on social security, you know, a lot of employers might actually just think you're less based on that. Mm. So... Uh, with all this in mind, what changes need to happen? Perhaps you could talk mm. about some of the recommendations from your uh, report, Punishment for Profit. Yeah. Uh, so when it comes to employment services, we, you know, we've advocated for, from the beginning and even in this report, we're talking about how they need to be voluntary. Uh, we argue that because that's what we're told by people who are in the system. The people in the system are like, I can't do you know, this compulsory system, it's harmful for my mental health, it doesn't help me, I want a system where it works for me. And, you know, our philosophy is if it is voluntary, then, you know, these providers or the people who are going for contracts are actually going to try and do mm. things that actually help people uh, through making them, like, people wanting to engage with them. Yeah. Because if you operate a service where people want to engage with you, then you're going to, you know, be better, basically. You yeah. will find things that people are attracted to or that are beneficial for them, and they will come back, and that's how you can make your money. Um, so that's basically, yeah, from employment service, we, that's why we advocate for them to be voluntary. But second of all, we also advocate for an income-first approach, which mm-hmm. is basically, you know, nobody should be in poverty uh, mm-hmm. regardless. So they need to make sure that they, you know, as a bare minimum can pay for their, their bills, you know, increase... <laughs> you know, groceries, yeah. healthcare, all transport, all rapidly increasing and people on payments just can't afford to pay these anymore. Mm. So, you know, we don't even have a, a social structure where, you know, healthcare is free or, you know, people can access public housing readily, you know? Mm. So it's just like if you don't have that system in place, make sure they have an income. Mm. But obviously, you know, there should be you know, uh, universal public housing and, you know. Universal income. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, to, yeah, to a degree. But, you know, people need an income. And then once they, uh, you know, have structure and safety in their lives, then they can consider going into, you know, finding out what they need to do in order to get a job, find a job, train to do a job, or even make sure that they have enough money to live on while they study and upskill or retrain, all of those things. So, mm. you know, the two are very interlinked, and that's the two biggest things that when we ran workshops and surveys is people like, I need more money and I need a service that doesn't bully and abuse me. Yeah. Um, but obviously when you go and tell this to politicians, they go, well, we can't do every good idea. Yeah. It's a common one. We can't do every good idea. Yeah, and of course there's been this discourse put out for quite a while now that uh, people on Centrelink payments or unemployed are somehow unworthy, you know, they're lazy, they're stupid, um, Mm. they're no... And we know that's not true. um, Most people who are unemployed are motivated to work, they want to make a contribution, they want to use their skills, um, they want to in productive relationships contributing with other mm. people so trust that that's people want that yeah and, so, and yeah the, people on payments are working as well it's not like you know people are just you know sitting around doing nothing people are working as well and and uh, case in point is uh, of course women with dependent children yeah, are often talked exactly. about as if they're not working for god's sake yeah <laughs> like, caring is a job yeah, like it it's unpaid job. work and and what's more 24 hours on call <laughs> exactly you you don't get a weekend off you can't turn off your emails so it's definitely work so is there anything i guess we're coming to the end of the program mm. jay so is there anything listeners can do 
Yeah, for sure. Um, well, you can jump online to uh, punishmentforprofit.org uh, where you can access the report. Um, we've also set up a microsite as a part of uh, the campaign and the inquiry into Workforce Australia. So you can read some a lot of news articles that we've uploaded to the site. You can um, also access some of the survey responses and some of the profiles that we've done on a few providers. And we're going to branch that out and increase that but you can also contribute to the survey we're also continuing on the survey so if you've been with employment services or you know past or present or you know somebody let them know to jump on that website to fill out the survey um and also you know you can just fling us a line through there as well um and then also you know there's a lot of grassroots groups like as before i mentioned the australian unemployed workers union you know they they're operating branches you know around the continent so you know go and chat with them through social media or their website um to see you know join a branch and join the movement there um because yeah there's an inquiry coming up there's going to be a lot of campaigning um particularly around you know, the future of employment services because groups like the uh, Community and Public Sector Union are now, you know, advocating for it to be returned to the public. So mm. it's not just, you know, small grassroots, you know, there's a bit of a movement. So, you know, if you've ever been harmed by these people in the past, get on board because, you know, we're going to... We're going to take the bus to Canberra and that, take them out. That's great. Jay, take them, we don't mean that in a violent Not way. in a violent, in a non-violent sense. So, um, Jay, uh, thank you so much uh, for coming on the program. No, thank you for um, having me. And I really love that action you were just talking about, about getting it back into public hands, mm. this support of unemployed people. And yeah. Then, uh, because... Everyone knows the critique of neoliberalism these days that you can't leave things to work, uh, to corporate profit and the private market. We have to take it back. But I'm frustrated personally mm. because the implementation of that insight seems to be lagging behind the insight. So this yeah. is a really concrete thing that we can do to really wind back this damaging neoliberal approach of yeah, leaving exactly. everything to uh, leeching our public purse by... Uh, swelling the coffers of mm. uh, private industries. Yeah. They're, they're not a market. They're just taking cash handouts from the government directly. Exactly. They're the and real that's bludgers. what they're motivated for. And so mm. why are we surprised? Yeah. You know? So, again, thanks for coming on the program and telling oh, us about thanks. the research reports. Great. No Punishment for Profit by the Anti-Poverty Centre about the tragically failing mutual obligation scheme victimising unemployed people and making it much harder for them, those who want to, to get into the paid workforce. So it's been really very engaging and enlightening and I really love your telling a dark story but with such enthusiasm and, and passion as well. So no. thank you for that. No. Thanks for having me. So we're uh, on to community announcements now. Uh, Borderlands uh, has had its first conversation event last night, Thursday 7th of September, on the topic of First Nations People, Truth, Treaty and Voice, with stimulating presenters Alistair Thorpe and Yin Paradis. The next one is about social enterprises with Sally Quinn and will be on Thursday 8th of October at 7.30pm, 30A Pickett Street, Footscray. Uh, these conversations are to help us think about and practice doing things differently and organising ourselves differently as a society, differently in relation to economically, socially and in harmony with our ecology, which we're all part of. And that will be on the first Thursday of every month for the first next few months. Thanks. So thanks to our listeners, to you, our listeners, for tuning in to Think Again Live today on 3CR Community Radio. 
If you want to contact us or know more about the conversations coming up, please email borderlands at borders at borderlands.org.au. Our programs are available by podcast and on the 3CR website at 3cr.org.au. Meanwhile, please enjoy Milkumana by King Stingray. listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.